Hey, this is Pastor Jay Lee wishing you a happy new year from the Daily Sabbath Podcast. Hey guys, Pastor Jay here. Welcome to the Daily Sabbath Podcast. Hope you guys had an amazing week and I'm glad that I can send you guys off into the weekend with another great interview. Now, a few weeks ago, I shared on Instagram and on the podcast sort of a, a preview of the different topics that we're planning to talk about this year on the podcast. And I mean, we, we've got an incredible list of topics, an incredible list of guests coming up. But, you know, I just sort of threw them out there and I kind of threw out the question on Instagram. Hey, which topic are you the most excited to talk about? And by far the topic that people were the most excited about is the topic that we're talking about today, which is spiritual but not religious. You know, I think increasingly more and more people are identifying themselves as being spiritual but not religious. And so last year I did a series of devotionals on the topic of being spiritual but not religious. And so there was a lot of response to that topic. And so I thought it was important for us to come back and address this in a little bit more long form way. And so this is a topic that we're going to revisit a few times this year. And, and the approach that I wanted to take was to interview some people who do or have in the past identified as spiritual but not religious and to really just kind of hear their stories and, and hear from them. And I think a thesis that I have is that, you know, somebody who identifies as spiritual but not religious, like I think within that phrase, there's already sort of a critique, right? There's a critique there of the church or of Christianity, or maybe just a critique of organized religion in general. But I think there's always somewhat of a critique there. There's something there that they're not just running to, but they're, they're pulling away from. I guess my thesis is that if we talk to people who identify as spiritual, but not religious, that there's probably a lot that we can learn, you know, maybe some things that we as Christians or as the church are making mistakes in and maybe need to do better in. But also maybe there's some things that we'll learn that, you know, really are completely out of our control. I don't know. But but I think it's better for us not to just theorize, but actually talk to some people who identify as spiritual but not religious and, and try to hear it just straight from them and their own experience. And so my guest today in this first volume of Spiritual Not Religious interviews is Serena Sutterfield. She is the CEO of Life Between Weights, which is a business centered around whole life wellness. And within that, she has a life coaching program called Vertical First. She also hosts a podcast called Life Between Weights, as well as hosting some yoga and meditation classes. And so Serena graciously allowed me to interview her about a month ago. I, and I think there were a lot of great things in this interview that we can pick up on and learn from as the church and as Christians. But before we get to the interview, I wanted to take a second just to acknowledge a few people. First of all, I wanted to acknowledge one of our listeners. Her name is Doris, and she graciously has supported the podcast by buying me a few cups of coffee. And so I'm so thankful that you would support the podcast in this way. Really appreciate it. And I also wanted to acknowledge the people who have taken time to leave ratings and reviews for the podcast. Now, usually I can't see who you guys are, but I really appreciate those of you guys who have taken time to leave a rating. And for those of you guys who took time to leave a review and, and just the reviews that you guys left are so kind and so gracious. And so I, I thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. And if there's anybody else who is listening to this, and if you are enjoying the podcast and are blessed by it, I humbly ask that you would take just a couple of seconds to leave me a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and just really help other people find the show as well. And so with that being said, here is my first interview in the Spiritual But Not Religious series with Serena Sutterfield. And so, Serena, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Now, before we get started, I was just wondering if maybe you could just get, tell us a little bit more about Life Between Weights. Yeah, so I started Life Between Weights about four years ago with the premise that there's just so much more that goes into our health and wellness than just changing the way that we eat and moving our body. It talks about how we have to go inside of ourselves and really find out who we are in order to make true and life-changing changes to our daily lives. 
okay, so it's it's uh, body and health, wellness, but it, it goes deeper than just the body. It goes deeper than just what you're eating or how much you're exercising, but really you're focusing on the, the total person. Exactly, exactly. It's all about how we can develop our own personal realities through the things that we do on a daily basis. And so, you know, I'll definitely include in the episode description, uh, just links to Serena, if you want to find out more, if you want to connect with her. But so let's get into this topic of being spiritual, but not religious. And so, you know, Serena, in my conversations with you, uh, you said that you started with a faith background. And so I was wondering if you could just maybe start there, like, and tell us just a little bit about your background in church or in organized religion. Yeah, sure. So uh, as a young person, a young teenager, I went to church with my like aunts, uncles, cousins. My mom and dad didn't go to church with us. Um, and I remember a van with uh, driven by our youth group pastor would drive around and I mean, like in a 30 minute radius around the church going around and picking everybody up and making sure that yeah. everybody got to church. Okay. And you know, that was really cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. For this person to do that, you know, took their own time and and all that. So that was awesome. And I appreciated that. Um, so because my parents didn't go, so they didn't drive us. So we did that. We went on Sunday mornings. They picked us up on Wednesday evenings. I went to church on Friday nights, you know. So I was always at church as a young person. And I think that I I went and I believed in God because the people around me did. You know, the people I looked mm-hmm. up to the most in my life, my my family members. And then, you know, we made friends and all that in the church too. But I didn't really have like a good experience in the youth group. I mean, we were all a bunch of 15-year-old boys and girls who thought we knew what the world was all about, you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um and then also being going from the youth group where I was having maybe some adverse experiences and then sitting in like different sermons um, really weren't making sense to me conceptually. I just wasn't really understanding really what was being taught. And that kind of really turned me off of organized religion. And it wasn't a hard decision to leave when, when like, you know, I thought I grew up and just knew better. And mm-hmm. I stopped going to church for for those reasons, just because it was a little bit difficult, and I didn't mm-hmm. understand a lot of what was happening inside of the church. So when you say that you didn't really understand, like the messages, didn't understand what was happening in the church, do you mean like you didn't agree with it, or it was like, no, I literally just did not understand how any of this was relevant to life? <laughs> Well, a little bit of both. So Mm. I have ADHD. um, And so I feel like that makes it a little bit more difficult for me to understand certain concepts, uh, the way that they are presented to, uh, like, I guess, normal, for lack of a better word, regular people. Um, So that did make it a little bit different for me. But really just the overall message and and just the way it made me feel about myself being in church was um, was what I didn't agree with. Mm. That's really interesting to hear you say that, that the way that it made you feel is something that kind of led you to think, hmm, this is something that seems off or this is something that I don't feel like agree with. And so could you kind of like maybe share a little bit more of like what were those feelings that it was making you feel or what, what were some things that you were hearing that were making you feel this certain way where you felt like mm, I don't, kind of started to push away from it? Yeah, sure. So uh, a lot of a lot of it was really that I understand that we are sinners as people. We are sinners. We are born into this world and we have the free will and we have to make these conscious decisions. So I understand that that concept, but sitting in church, instead of it being a message of love, you know, the pastor would shout about how love is the most important, but I'd always leave feeling like, I was dirty and gross, you know, because mm. they talk about you need redemption. You are filth, you know, you live in the, in the muck and the darkness and you are no good. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. was kind of like it felt like they were talking out of both sides of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Does mm. that make yeah, sense? That's yeah, that's really interesting. So it's not that there wasn't talk about love 
and God being love and love being central. I mean, they were talking about those things, mm -hmm. but the message that was coming across and what you were feeling coming out of that was still this feeling of condemnation and guilt yeah. and shame. Yeah, that's right. And so I didn't understand why I had to feel those things that you were saying, the condemnation and the guilt and the shame from our God who loved us so much that he did, you know, all the, these wonderful things up to, you know, his ultimate sacrifice for us, that that is such an act of love. And mm -hmm. I understand that, but it, it didn't feel like that at church. Yeah. So it sounds like there's definitely this aspect of kind of the message itself and the, the, the feeling mm -hmm. that you're getting from the message. One thing that I'm kind of curious about is as, you know, some of these dynamics, these relational dynamics, and also just kind of the dynamics of, of maybe disagreeing with, not disagreeing, but hearing one thing, but feeling another uh, in terms of the message that was coming from the church. Because it's one thing to have like a certain feeling about the people at the church, and then it's another what your feelings were about Jesus or about God. And sometimes those, you know, can combine, right? They, they affect one another. But I'm just kind of curious, as you were beginning to sort of push away from the church and some of the, the relationships at the church, what, what was the status of your feelings about God and your relationship with Jesus? How, how was that affected by all of this? Well, I like I said before, I knew in my heart of hearts that this is the truth, that, that we do serve a loving God and that he did make a sacrifice for us. And, and so I always knew that, but it was kind of something that I just put in my back pocket for a while, mm -hmm. you know, because while like I knew it because I was taught it at a young age, it didn't really feel real to me mm -hmm. because you know, the pastors would always talk about being able to like live it out and see it out and work it out in your own life. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't happening for me. So like, I know, and I knew, but I kind of just put God away for a little while once I left the church. Mm -hmm. And so was there kind of like that moment of clear breaking away from the church? And if so, like when, when exactly was that? Um, so I was about 17 years old when I decided to stop going to church. Okay. And so it was kind of like, was there was sort of a moment where you just decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. Or was it just sort of the slow drift where one day it was, it was, it was, yeah. So like I said, we had that, that van that came around all the time and it was just, it was easy enough to say, you know what, don't, don't come here. You know, you don't have to come pick me up today. I'm not going to go or whatever. And it was easy to say it once. And I didn't really feel guilty for not going the one time. So it was easier to not go the next time mm -hmm. and so forth until it didn't even until, you know, the, the driver stopped calling and saying, do you want me to pick mm -hmm. you up today? Yeah. So after you decided to, you know, basically stop going to church, I'm just kind of curious, what was then sort of, what was your spirituality like in that period of time? Like, you know, did you go through a phase where it's was like, I don't even really know if I believe in any of this stuff? Or did you still kind of feel like, no, I, I'm still a spiritual person, but I'm just not sure I'm down with this church stuff anymore. Like kind of, could you describe to me sort of that period away from church? Right, right. Yeah, it was more along the lines of after I left the church at that age, again, I was 17. By the time I was 18, I was ready to move out of my parents' house and I had just left and I had, I did not like try to practice my faith at all for a long time mm -hmm. after that. Yeah. How, how, and about again, how it long was, would you say was that? About period? how long? Yeah. Um, almost a decade. Okay. Yeah. A long, a long time. Probably eight years. Uh huh. A long time. Yeah. Okay. And so then, um, I guess during that decade, <laughs> that, that eight years where you really were not going to church for sure. And then also really not connecting with your faith too much. Yeah. Would you, is it that period that you would consider yourself to be spiritual, but not religious? Or maybe during that period, you didn't even consider yourself to be spiritual. Like what was the sort of the status of, uh, of that, your spirituality during that decade? During that period, I was just doing whatever I wanted to do. I was living so much in 
my body so much in my flesh that the thought of what is going to happen to me mm-hmm. never crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, to be completely honest with you, because I was just too interested in, you know, living what I thought was what living meant. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. having experiences and just doing different things that I did not consider my spirituality at all until a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was just kind of, it just wasn't really even a thought, and you just kind of went about living your life and and just uh, trying to live to the fullest. I imagine, and, and maybe I don't know, like if this would, if you would say this was true, but did you have a feeling of sort of like, yeah, I'm free now, like I'm untethered from any kind of religious, you know, uh, rule or binding. Like I'm not worried about that. I'm just going to worry about doing me and living my life. Yeah, so I would like to say that that's true, but I think that looking back, and that might have been how I was thinking back then, but looking back on it now of like different decisions that I would make either to or not to do something um, was definitely guided. I mean, it's it's a blessing that I'm here today mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, to be able to do what I do today um, that, that I would have been called back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I still felt guided. I still felt guided, but it wasn't how I was thinking about it in the in the time. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, hindsight, I can see all the different ways that I was protected yeah. over that decade. Yeah, it's funny how that works where sometimes when you're yeah. when you're experiencing it, you don't see it, but when you look back, then you can be like, Oh, you know, God was doing an awful lot. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see it. So, yeah, I mean, if and if yeah. you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit, um, could you share a little bit of that journey of that kind of kind of that eight years where you're sort of maybe in, in sort of a wandering period and you're not really actively thinking about God, but in hindsight, now you can see there are different ways where he guided you, protected you, uh, was slowly sort of drawing you, drawing you in and drawing you back. For sure. And that question made me smile. <laughs> so uh, by the time I was 20 years old, I had my first daughter. Mm-hmm. She will be, she'll be 16 soon. She's amazing. Oh, wow. 16. Um, but so, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was 20 years old. I was very young. Mm-hmm. And so I was married. And so that was with my first husband. I had had, I had had her and it was not, like a healthy relationship at all. It wasn't, we were more, it was more like we were friends who just hung out all the time. And then we had a kid and then his parents made us get married. Yeah. So I understand. Yeah. (laughs) And we weren't married for long. (laughs) And there was, you know, there was some things that we, that, that he and I had gone through um, periods of time where, there was just issues that we needed to work out. And ultimately, I just knew that this was not the life that I wanted our daughter to live. Mm-hmm. And so I um, just picked myself up out of that situation and went home. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what else to do. I took my kid and I went back home. Um, I lived in my parents' house while I was working and taking care of my daughter. And then it wasn't too long after that. It was about a year that I was working and and taking care of her on my own that I met my current husband and um, he and I, we just had our 12th anniversary, our 12th wedding anniversary. Oh, nice. Congratulations. um, Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And he was not a believer Mm -hmm. when we first got together. So there would be times where like I knew, okay, now I'm having kids, you know, we're settling down, we're married now, we have a house now and... I need to do the things that grown ups do. So, you know, I would try to get my husband to go to church with me. I'd bring my, I'd make sure that my kids were going to church. I made sure my kids knew Jesus and, um, and all of this, mm-hmm. but it still felt very like lukewarm to me. It felt more like this was my responsibility as an adult mm-hmm. than my responsibility as a, human that was you know and my responsibility as god's likeness Uh it was more of like another thing to check off of my list Mm -hmm. and then in 2016 my husband and i had um it was a traumatic year a few months the end of 2015 my my cousin my husband's best friend had an accident and passed away Mm -hmm. at a very young age 
And so that threw like the entirety of 2016, you know, being faced with our own mortality um, and just really, you know, frankly, how shitty life can be sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I literally hit my knees every day in 2016. And by the end of that year, my not only was my own faith renewed, but my husband had committed his life to Christ as well. Wow. And my oldest daughter was, we were, all three of us were baptized that year. Oh, wow. Uh, and so, the, I mean, it, it kind of really, the catalyst was this tragedy. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Because uh, I didn't have the strength of my own to go through it. I knew that I needed something outside of myself to help get us through this this circumstance that was happening. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just kind of curious because I think from the outside looking in, you know, usually people think, yeah, when when hardship comes, it, it's so unfair for God to expect people to have faith and also experience, you know, these these hardships and this suffering. But I mean, one of the weird things about life is that a lot of times it's the hardships and the suffering that end up being the catalysts yeah. um, to kind of bring us to faith. It's just one of those weird kind of counterintuitive sort of things. And so I'm just kind of curious about you and your journey in that where, you know, you, you have this tragedy, this horrible tragedy that happens and that it drives you into, you know, like you said, praying every single day for that year. I mean, I'm just kind of curious of the journey of that. So obviously you said that you were, you know, looking for just strength that you knew that you didn't have. Was it also kind of like a an angry thing was, was, was it like a God, what the heck? Like, what were you, what's up? Like, what were you at? Like, I'm just kind of curious what that, that process of <laughs> that know, year and, was. Yeah. And I think like, it's a very Hollywood thing for people to shake their fists at heaven, mm-hmm. you know? And I was not, I did not come to this from an anger standpoint. I was, I did hold anger inside of myself over the situation that was happening, but I don't think that at any point I pointed at God and said, you know, how could you let this happen inside of my life? Because I mean, I, I knew that I know that all of everything that happens in our daily life, these are, is, is a culmination of choices that we make. Hmm. And that it is not of it's not God's fault, you know. So it was it was pure strength and direction that I, I had no idea what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what each day was going to look like. And so I needed that that support system, mm-hmm. that that heavenly support system, even to be able to. Make sure, because at this time, we had my youngest, our youngest was born in 2010. So she was six years old at this time. So I had a a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a Mm 10-year-old. And um, so those are very young kids to have to take care of while you are in just this horrible headspace for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was definitely strength, um, the strength of God that I was relying so heavily on every day. Mm Mm-hmm. And so obviously, I mean, this praying was doing something because you said by the end of that year, you know, your faith had been renewed. Uh, your husband put his faith in Jesus. And uh, mm-hmm. and so I'm just kind of curious, is there if there's anything more that you can tell us about? Like, I mean, obviously you were, you know, daily just on your knees, but like, is there any more you can tell us about what, what happened during that year that really kind of opened you guys up and, and resulted in that? Were there any particular yeah, moments so or events? I, yeah, I don't know that if it was necessarily a, a culmination of events as much as it was that um, because I was in the word every day and for strength and not falling apart, mm-hmm. I think is what made my husband look a little bit harder and say, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. because I, I am falling apart. 
I see. And um, and I really think that just because, I mean, you as a pastor, I imagine you know and you talk about how just applicable the Bible, the word, the living word is to our lives today as it was, you know, 2,000 years ago mm-hmm. that we can go through with whatever problems um, and situations and circumstances in our lives and, and there is scripture to, to you know, help you through it to guide you through it. So in particular, it was um, James that really brought me through studying his book about perseverance and, and all of that and just um, spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. And I think that my husband saw that in me and was like, I need some of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, and that's so powerful to hear you say that. Because, you know, I mean, obviously, as Christians, even as pastors, you know, we, we, we say that, you know, we believe that the Word of God, right, the Scriptures are powerful to, mm-hmm. to transform a person and to, to sustain a person. But sometimes I, I think maybe we don't truly believe that, <laughs> which is why, you know, maybe we end up trying, trying to do other things and manipulate it more. Um, mm-hmm. And so just to hear you say that, you know, kind of in one of the darkest places in your life, the difference was really just being on your knees in prayer every day and and reading the book of James, <laughs> right? Like so simple, but that that really was the difference maker. It, it really was. It was so simple. I read a proverb a day. Mm-hmm. I made sure, you know, that spiritual milk and just to just to gain that perseverance and, and maturity. Mm-hmm. So that's about four or five years ago. And so now, kind of projecting forward four or five years to today, what would you say then is now like sort of, you know, your, would you still consider yourself to be spiritual but not religious? Or is that something that you feel like you've left behind? Um, yeah, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I, I feel like I consider myself a child of the light, to say that I identify as a spiritual person, I think would be misleading in that because I, f- I feel like people who are spiritual leave Jesus out of it all altogether a lot of the times and kind of make it just more of a nice story to tell themselves. And so I still have the heavy conviction of the written word. And so as far as like identifying as spiritual instead of religious, I would say that I really feel as if I have stepped into this, into this light, Mm -hmm. you know, the light of God, you know, the light and that how it just vanquishes and exposes the darkness. I feel like, I feel like God has given me the ability now to, to see, like he's just turned the lights on for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit harder. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say religious at all. When I think religious, I think rules and rigidity and that inflexibility. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel like that was my initial issue with the church in the first place. Yeah. So you're still a little bit hesitant about the word religious because that's what you associate religious with. But you wouldn't want people to think that you're just I'm just a spiritualist. Like it's not ambiguous. You know, you are a follower of Jesus. Uh, you have stepped into that. You you embrace the the scriptures as being the word of mm-hmm. God. So you wouldn't want people to think that it's just sort of this kind of ambiguous spirituality that maybe a lot of people practice. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want people to think that just because I feel like I am more of a spiritual person because I focus on the relational aspect with Christ that I don't have, like, I feel like when people, when you tell somebody that you're spiritual, that they think that you talk to universe with a capital U. (laughs) Yeah, the universe, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's just not true Mm -hmm. for, for me. Gotcha. I, you know, serve the God who created the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I actually wasn't really planning on, on talking about this, but just kind of what what you're saying here about sort of like the universe and things like that and the way that people might perceive what you mean. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, let's say somebody who follows uh, your account, right? And, you know, I think one of the things that you practice is like uh, yoga and things like that, right? Where, yeah. you know, people, maybe some some Christians 
on the outside looking in might think, oh, you know, she's, is she a Christian or, you know, is she kind of like, yeah, one of these like more kind of new agers and, you know, the, the universe and, you know, she's doing yoga and all these things. Right. And so I don't know, like, do you, do you kind of come across that sort of sentiment from people? I have only come across that one time, one time a lady came into my inbox Um, completely unprompted to tell me that because I practice yoga, that that means that I do not have God living in my heart. Mm. So just very direct. (laughs) Oh, yes. No, it was very direct. She was like, you are going to hell because you do yoga. She's like, do you know that doing yoga is like chanting to other gods? Mm -hmm. I was like, do you know that you are a hundred percent incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe you should go to one of my yoga classes before he's make that. Exactly. Statement. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and on that note, I believe that when that each person's like different convictions that they have throughout their life, whether somebody wants to do yoga or thinks that yoga is unsafe, that, that that's something that God puts on each of our individual hearts and consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you don't so, you don't hold it against some somebody else who maybe feels like they shouldn't do yoga and you you don't hold that against them. But, you know. Right. You know. OK. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe just to kind of, and, you know, maybe maybe talking about Christians and yoga could be a whole nother episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, I'm just kind of curious because, you know, before when you were younger, when you left the church, you said that, yeah, one of the tensions for you was sort of, yeah, even though the church did talk about love and God is love and all that stuff. The feeling that you got was more of a feeling of condemnation and, and guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And so now that you've kind of come full circle on this journey and you are back kind of, I assume, right. That you guys are back within the church or a church. Is that right? We actually, we have a church that we go to that we really love. We've got tons of friends there. The pastor is great. We love everybody. And I don't hold issue with the church, but I don't necessarily feel drawn to go back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, would, you wouldn't say that you're, you've fully come circle and now you're, I'm back in the church. Right. I feel like I have come full circle on my faith and my understanding of the nature of God. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand the love part now mm-hmm. as to where, like I said, I didn't get it before because it, it was more authoritarian mm-hmm. than it was like that loving, compassionate father. Yeah. Okay. So that we're taught about. So I'm really curious about that then. So, you know, you, I mean, because you, you said you do have a church that you guys go to sometimes um, mm-hmm. and that you like and, and you enjoy, but you wouldn't say that you have come back to the church. And so I'm kind of curious to know what are some of your current thoughts about the church itself and uh, kind of why you're hesitant to say, even though you do go sometimes, why you're hesitant to say Mm -hmm. that you really belong to the church and, and just any feelings that you have about that kind of now today. Yeah. So the feelings that I have about that are that I, I just really, I feel like we get a lot of overview of what different biblical concepts and different biblical stories like you know the church will go through generation uh genesis to revelation through the year or whatever and teach on all that so we get all like the bullet points but i do feel like it's only bullet points i don't feel like and i've gone to a massive amounts of churches and different churches and i never have really felt like but here's how to do the things i'm telling you to do here are some actionable steps Mm -hmm that you can take in order to do these things. So, and to illustrate this point, there is a strong uh, song on the Christian radio on Amazon music called truth be told by Matthew West. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how to the world, we present one face, but to ourselves and behind closed doors, we have a, a, like the mask comes off and our true selves live at home behind closed doors Mm -hmm. While we present our faith in a positive way to the world, but we don't live it out Mm -hmm. behind closed doors. And about how a lot of Christians still struggle with these feelings of unworthiness, of not being enough, of inadequacy, of being unlovable, of, of all of these like negative 
thoughts and traits and char- characteristics that we apply to ourselves that, that this is a, these are things that people are having a hard time letting go of mm-hmm. and we don't and and people at church will tell will tell you oh well i'll pray for you mm. okay great but what can what you know how am i gonna help like do you know what yeah. i'm trying to say like there's no I feel like there's no real answer. And if I were somebody who, if you were to say, okay, well, Serena, what are some actionable steps then? I would tell you that to, to really, to step back and to be an observer of your own mind and to really understand where the thoughts in your head come from, mm. to figure out how these thoughts make you feel. Because Jesus says, you are to capture your thoughts and to give them to God. Mm-hmm. You know, we're told to do this in the Bible, but we aren't told how to do that in the mm-hmm. church. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I feel like there's, I feel like there's a whole lot of, well, you're no good kind yeah. of thing going and do you on. Still feel that even with the church that you said that you kind of go to sometimes and, and enjoy, but you feel like it's still pretty much that. I do. And I don't think I realized it until recently because I do really so much enjoy this particular church. Uh, Our pastor is great. He's super friendly and funny and he's got lots of like antidote would say Mm -hmm. and he, you know, he'll make you chuckle and talks about college football and in his uh, Southern charm Mm -hmm. and and all because I live in South Carolina. Um, And but you know, you, you get a story and this is how I used to felt and I or used to feel and this is how I feel now. And then, you know, mm-hmm. now I'm all better. But like I said, I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of direction. Uh-huh. OK, so I think what I I think what I'm hearing is that even though you can enjoy a service at this time, you don't necessarily see being a part of the church as being essential and one of mm-hmm. the reasons being that you feel like maybe it's not super practical <laughs> that mm-hmm. yeah that that a lot of times what you get coming from the church is maybe kind of superficial and not people are not getting what they really need to be able to be free or to heal or to move forward in their lives would you say that is kind of a good summary yes i that is a very good summary. Okay. You know, we're told to leave our past behind, mm-hmm. that Jesus has forgiven us of all of our sins. You can leave your past in the past. You can just leave it there. He doesn't care about that anymore. It has no bearing on your life now. But really, when these big old monsters live inside of my head, mm-hmm. how how are you supposed to leave them yeah. behind? So not just I can be forgiven, but now how do I walk out in that new freedom? Exactly. Becoming the new creature. We are new creatures in Christ, but we are just told we are new creatures. And I don't feel like we are told how this transformation takes Mm -hmm. place. Okay. And so then here's my question to you, like just kind of probing a little bit on what your true feelings are about this. Like, do you feel like being a part of the church is not essential because you just really have not found a church that truly kind of embodies what you're talking about, what you feel like the church should be? Or is it that you just don't think, even if there was a church that was doing well at this, I I still just kind of see the church as being sort of an optional, kind of nice to have, but it's not really like an important part of my faith. Well, I really do think that fellowship is the most important part of anybody's Mm -hmm. faith, being able to have, you know, this group of like minded people together to support and lift each other up is extremely important. Mm -hmm. Um, I do believe that going having a church that you go to is also very important. Um, to be able to walk into the house of God is walking into a house even that has God is is like a breath of fresh air. You know, I do think that is really important. I just think that right now there are certain people that are meant to hear what this particular pastor has to say, like the way that he says it, there are certain people in this world all over the world. Cause he pastors online and mm-hmm. everything. Um, he's on YouTube because of the whole pandemic thing. But, um, you know, so people all over the world watch this guy and that's great. And I'm sure he's changing, um, and touching, thousands of hearts and as i'm sure you are as well and i feel like there are people there are certain people who are meant to hear Mm -hmm. 
this message in certain ways. And I think that there are certain people set out for each person to hear the message, the way to receive it, the way that the person puts it Mm -hmm. out there. Does that make sense? So I believe the church is important. Mm -hmm. I believe it's important for the people who find refuge in the church. Mm -hmm. But you don't necessarily think that it's something that is like, like maybe if you've already found refuge or you feel like you've, like maybe like you were saying fellowship is is really important like maybe i don't know for you if you feel like you have found that kind of fellowship outside of the church and so you don't maybe necessarily need a church to provide that for you um is, mm-hmm. would you say that's kind of where you're at i would say so i think what you and i are doing right now is like mm-hmm. church basically the church is is good the place that some people are at in terms of the message that they need to hear or yeah, maybe they don't have that that mm-hmm. community that they can have fellowship with, and so the church can kind of help them enter into that community. But then yeah. also at the same time, you you sort of have this critique where it's like, yeah, but most churches are maybe not fostering true fellowship or true community in a way that they, that people really need. Yes, yeah. So I feel like if there was one thing that I would maybe add, because my church has got lots of like extracurricular activity like they do pottery classes Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff there's all sorts of things you can do all week long so if I were to go back into the church I would um talk about maybe the different ways that we can um kind of focus on well let me help you like with kind of like mindset help with like actionable steps kind of coaching people through like having these difficult feelings that we have Mm -hmm. to deal with um, and maybe being able to like put some sort of program or workshop together, I think would be a perfect complement mm-hmm. to a church that might make it more yeah, effective. Yeah. Well, it sounds like maybe you should uh, start one. <laughs> sounds like a perfect <laughs> ministry for you. Okay, so the last question I want to ask you, you know, obviously we've been talking about you and your journey and kind of your perspective, but I want to ask you to kind of maybe project out to other people. Why do you think so many people identify as spiritual but not religious? And what do you think most of those people mean? Obviously, everybody's different, but like, what, what do you think people mean when they say they're spiritual but not religious? And why do they identify in that way? That's a really good question. And I had a lot of fun answering this one. I believe that people identify as being spiritual rather than religious. Uh, a lot of times, because if people have a bad experience in the church, they'll just leave the church and mm-hmm. then that's that. And that's it. They never go back. They never reconsider um, and all of that. And that's really sad. And but the spiritual aspect of it, I I feel like because our souls are searching and our souls will always be searching. We have these God shaped holes inside of this space of greater thinking beside, you know, beyond what we can see or things that are tangible that we can touch. You know, we're always looking for the a sense of purpose, meaning, belonging, what does it all mean? Our very beings, like right down to the fiber of what we are made out of, know that there is something more and it searches for something to fill that void and drives us to find it mm-hmm. anywhere. So some people will turn to like flesh-seeking activities like maybe drinking or partying or buying things or whatever it is that makes you feel better, fills like maybe makes you feel better for a minute, makes that hole feel a little bit smaller as and some people feel fill it with this spirituality. They fill it with the universe. Mm -hmm. But many of us can't subscribe to religion because our spirit is seeking freedom Mm -hmm. and not restraint. Mm -hmm. Religion with the rigidity and with the rules, while the message is a message of freedom, religion in and of itself feels like a restraint, Mm -hmm. feels like bondage while our souls are seeking that freedom and um, that they seek to be liberated. Our spirits, they seek to be liberated, to be set free in things like peace and love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. We look for that Mm -hmm. everywhere, whether we know it or not. And And I believe that's what this spirituality is. We're looking for a greater sense of purpose beyond our own self. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's really good. I mean, because, you know, I think there's some 
there's some Christians who maybe they hear of people identifying as spiritual but not religious and and they're very upset by that and they're very like oh man the world mm-hmm. look, look at what the world is going to right whereas i i think what i hear you saying which i think is a great point is that it, we should actually see that as a sign of hope that people maybe they have a bad experience with church and they're done with church but they don't walk away from the spiritual part you know that that there's still something inside of people that is is longing and searching and has a sense that there's something mm-hmm. more that I want and I need. And we should actually see that as a great sign of hope that even as people are, yeah. are trying to reject the or are rejecting the church, that they, they can't reject that need for for God. Yeah, it's and, ingrained. Um, and I'll, the other thing I think I hear you saying here that I think is a great insight, which is maybe, I guess, a theme of what you've been saying throughout this entire interview, is that the church needs to be better at showing people why Jesus, why the gospel is a source of freedom. Because the, perce- yeah, because yeah, the perception is that it's a source of restraint and a source of rules. And so exactly. we need to be better at showing showing people how, because I mean, it is true, right? I mean, we wouldn't want to go the other way and say, oh yeah, I mean, you're free in Christ, do whatever you want. Like, no, I mean, <laughs> there are things that are, that, are, that are not helpful and there are things that are not pleasing to God that will hurt you. Um, but mm-hmm. to be able to yeah. maybe more skillfully explain to people how even within the boundaries, or maybe boundaries is a bad word. Uh, see, I'm, I I need more skill in this. Like even even within the sort of the the framework of God's yeah of scope. God's word, the scope of God's will, um, how that's actually greater freedom than what they might have um, apart from God. And it really is. And you know what? And a common uh, like occurring thing throughout like my different daily meditation and Bible study is about how people were, were constantly seeking as Christians, constantly seeking the will of God for our lives as we should. But I feel like a lot of times we are missing it so completely because we are looking for uh, the parted waters. We're, we're looking for these very big things. We're looking for our mm-hmm. Goliath. You know, these very physical things that we can see with our eyes. We're looking for people to come at us with stones. When really that that's not what that's not how it's going to happen. It's all it's happening inside inside of our minds. You know, we have to be able to have that self-control and sound mind in order to truly liberate the mm-hmm. body from yeah. this world. Well, I mean, right, Romans says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so that and, and yes. so that is kind of a big emphasis for you in in your work and in your ministry, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I can't remember where I read it, but I had just read that the will of God for all of our lives is for us to live mm-hmm. like Christ. And if you, if we live like Christ, we're living in peace and love and joy, the fruit of the spirit, which is liberating. It is liberating us from these feelings of the unworthiness, the not being lovable, the not being good enough and all of that. All of these, like I referred to as monsters in our heads earlier, that's what we Mm. need to be freed from and living like Christ does that, has that freedom in our mind. All right, so there it is. I want to thank again my guest, Serena Sutterfield. Again, if you would like to connect more with Serena, the name of her podcast is Life Between Weights. She also has a one-on-one life coaching program called Vertical First. You can also find her on Instagram and Facebook. And so I'll include links in the episode description just for all of that stuff if you want to connect with her. But as we wrap up, I wanted to key in on a few things that came up during the interview. The first was uh, the part where Serena talked about how even though growing up in the church, uh, they talked about the love of Jesus and, and grace and forgiveness. The feeling that she came away with was one of condemnation and guilt and shame. And and I think there's something there for us to think about as Christians and in the church that sometimes even though we might be using 
the right words, be using the right language in talking about the love of God and the grace that is available to us through Christ. But sometimes maybe the, the feeling that we convey and the cultures that we're creating in the church sometimes could maybe feel still more condemning and more focused on our guilt rather than God's grace. And maybe even though the language might be there, the care and the culture are not. And so I just thought that was something that maybe was worth at least thinking about. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention from the interview, which was to me the most moving part of the interview, which is kind of what ultimately brought Serena back into the fold of Christian faith, not just being sort of like this independent spiritual person, but really coming back into the fold. And like she said, at the end of the day, it really just came down to getting into the scriptures, like reading the Bible and praying. There really was no magical formula. It was just the basics, reading the Bible and allowing Jesus to speak to her through it and just getting on her hands and knees and crying out to him in prayer. And so for me, I think it was just encouraging to hear that. The scriptures and prayer are still powerful. That's still enough to transform a person. You know, I think sometimes we just maybe overcomplicate things that at the end of the day, you know, what people really need from us is for us to really love Jesus, to be people who exemplify grace and love and faith and hope, who will ultimately both embody the scriptures, but also actually lead them into the scriptures and talking to God through prayer. And that that is enough for lives to be transformed still today. And so that's something that I'm taking away from this interview. But I would love to hear your thoughts on this. If you guys have any comments or questions for me or Serena, feel free to leave a message on our pod inbox. I'll leave a link in the episode description and I'll be happy to respond to you. I'll probably even use it on the show. So if you just want to hear your voice on the podcast, leave me a message, leave me a question and I'll be happy to respond. All right. So that's it for this week. Hope you guys have a great weekend and we'll see you guys next week. Take care. If you're enjoying the podcast and you would like to support us, you can leave us a rating and review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or you can buy Pastor Jay a cup of coffee. If you would like to contact Pastor Jay, visit DailySabbath.com or our Instagram at DailySabbath.